Hi, I'm Pete George on Game Changers with Vicki Abelson, and our special guest tonight is Sam Harris. As opposed to our special guest. <laughs> that, that, that would be, wait, I was going to call him Taco again. It's not it's Taco. Tango. It's Tango. And it's a she. It's a she. You're so confused. I, I know. I'm so, You're so confused. But Tango's very sweet. Yes. Well, we'll see if Tango decides to be in the She's show. She's the tap, tap, tap. Go away. Okay. Go, well, darling. Look at, I don't know if you can no. see Tango. Darling, go. <laughs> Sam! Yes, hi, hello again. Hi. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so, thank you for doing this. I'm so excited. Me too. And, and I want to say thank you to, to Dan O'Shannon because Dan was going to be with us tonight, but Sam's got a premiere coming up. And I do. when when you had good to things happen. Turn things around. Yeah, but when exciting things happen for friends, we have to make allowances. And I Dan was lovely that. about it. Thank you, Dan. And and so tell us about the premiere. I'm so excited. Well, the movie is a film of my live musical, Ham, a musical memoir, and we played it in the, we played it live, the show in, in New York. Mm-hmm. Where'd you do it in New York? We did it at Ars Nova, and Billy Porter helped develop it and direct it there. Wow. And then we came here, mm-hmm. and Ken Sawyer, who's a brilliant director, did this production. And Were then, they very different, the two shows? It was just the next level. Okay. It was just the next stage. It became more produced. It became more refined. It became more polished. And then we did it again at the Pasadena Playhouse, and then we shot it. How long ago was that? We shot it last summer. Okay. So, and it's really pretty. It's just beautiful. Andy Pachogel, who is the director of the mm-hmm. film, did such an extraordinary job. I mean... What, what has he done? But what, what, what would we know from Andy? He's done a lot of indie films. Okay. He's done a lot of music videos. Mm-hmm. We've worked together on several projects. He's just super smart. Mm. He's smart and he gets it and he's kind and everybody loves him. So and is the whole thing like... Um, did you see... Um, oh God, what was the one with Andrew Reynolds? The the show that they just made into... They shot it. Um, the Boys in the Band? Not Boys in the... the it's the one they did the remake of that I saw on Broadway last year, then two years ago. That now I can't. All right, I'll look up. Uh, she brings Boyle up things that Christian she can't Boyle remember anything also. about. It's, it. it's the it's the it's the show about the the husband that goes off with his lover and his son is going to have a bomb. Thank you, falsettos. Did you see how they shot falsettos? No. Made it into a movie. No. Well, really, they didn't make it into a movie. They just shot. They shot the show. That shot the show. So did well, yours have other elements? No, no, no. We shot the show. Shot the show. But we shot the show. If I must say, I've seen a lot of things that, that are, where they shoot the show. Okay. This was crafted. Mm. We had crane shots and we had close-ups oh. and we have, it sweeps and it's beautiful and the audience was wonderful. And I'm just so proud of what it. What audience? We did two shows. Okay. So we could edit. Um, and then the next day we did some pickups so they could come right on the stage in my face. Right. Um, I was so tired. <laughs> I bet. Because you... We talked about this. You give from the Kishkas whether there's because you did it in my living room. You did a part of it, right? And whether there's fifty people there or there's two thousand people, you're given the same. You're you know what? I do, you don't want to leave anything on the stage. Mm-hmm. You just do the whole thing. And I I can't say that I have never ever phoned in anything. I leave it. I tin, tin, here you go, and I think that's a blessing and a curse. How is it a curse? Because. It takes so much for me to get on the stage. I am terrified. I am nauseous. I say to myself, why are you doing this? Every time, still? Every time. Why are you torturing yourself? 
No, I shouldn't say every time. When I'm doing a long run of a play, like on Broadway, where I'm playing a role with a cast. Okay, what, what role did you have in The Producers? I played Carmen Of Gia. course you did. I knew you Had did. Had So that was different. Yeah. Because you're support. But when I'm doing a one-man show or a concert or something, Todd Schroeder, who's been my music director for Hi, Todd. the best, mm -hmm. and collaborator and everything, he's like my musical soulmate. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, he's, he's also the person who gets me on. Because I get so scared. I am horrified. I don't, I'm like, why are you doing okay, this? Okay, wait a minute. Even if you're going to like the Catalina Club, like to the Club, Whatever. you still have this. Any space. size venue. It could be Carnegie Hall, it could be Catalina. It's the same thing. Wow, okay. Um, and then, of course, when I land, I have the, the second. Time. Okay, so how many seconds does it take till that goes away? So when does I that walk go on the stage? Mm -hmm. I'll say something funny. When we're with Todd and I are, are touring, when we're going around doing concerts, and I'm like, oh, I, can't, I can't sing, I can't. We're at soundcheck, right? And he has before seriously been like, turn the spotlight on. <laughs> can they hear? Turn the spotlight on. And suddenly I can sing. Or even worse, even worse, Vicky, if there's, I'm like having trouble, but if there's someone cleaning the auditorium, you can sing to them. It's an audience! <laughs> and all of a sudden, I can sing! Isn't that awful? That's No, it's not. It's interesting, that, but it's good that you know that about yourself. Yeah. But, I mean, okay, so when you're a little kid and you're singing in the living room, you're singing for the family, right? Whatever, you're putting on your little shows. Were you frightened then? No. I bet not. No, Right. You never. could just go out and you could just... I think I only got frightened when there was an expectation. And... Okay, so let's talk about Star Search. Okay. So... How scary was that? That was scary. It wasn't crazy scary? It was crazy scary, but I, I was also 22. And I was so ready. Well, you certainly were ready. I, I mean, was ready. You, you were because ready. Because I had, you know, in my short life, <laughs> I had... I forgot to look where... Yeah, okay. I had... Um, you, know, you know the thing about the 10,000 hours? You you know you brought this up last did time I really? and I don't you but you didn't tell me what it is. I did. I, did, I, I brought it up before. You brought it up, but I you didn't the tell. The only other time I yeah, brought but, it up. But you didn't tell me what. You didn't well, what, me it what it means is. is that people, whether they're an athlete or okay. an actor or a singer or whatever it is, I'm just getting that there's a, a yeah. thing of yeah. what are you doing? I'm I'm getting us so we're here so we'll be able to see who's watching us so we can talk to them. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's about if you've put in ten thousand hours of performing of okay. of painting. Of athletics, yeah. Then that's what cements your foundation, and the people who have who are lucky, like mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. who knew what they wanted to do mm -hmm. at a really early age. I have way more than ten thousand hours. Okay, how much? How much is ten thousand hours? Seriously, it's more than nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand. No. <laughs> like, is it like a year? Is it like ten no, years? No, I don't know. No, like, it's years. It's years. It's years. I've got but like I, fifty thousand million you do. hours. Of course you do. And that is why you are focused and know what you do and what know what you do well. And I think that it is a, it is a real thing. So That's I had my more than my ten thousand hours by the time I was twenty-two. Okay, so how did you have your more than ten thousand hours? By because since I was this big. Okay, on the poster of the of, this, okay, yeah. of the movie, yeah. there was the the main picture, and then right. there's a little picture of me on it. At two years old, in that two year old picture, I'm wearing a fedora and a little <laughs> suit. I've got my legs crossed, and I'm like this, and it's like 
motherfucker, this kid is in show business. This kid is in show business. Wow. I knew. And that's where my blessing is. Because I have an 11-year-old kid who is supposed to be an 11-year-old kid and interested in this and that and then change it. And Not no, show I quit business? That. No. No. He's discovering himself. Mm-hmm. And that is good. And that is normal. And I think both are good. Well, mine is good too because I found my passion. I yes. found my gift. Yes. But I don't know. There's a lot of people I think who define themselves early and then it troubles them later. Um, like, can you think of an example? Well, I'll tell you. In okay. show business, there are yeah. people who decided that that's what they were because they were the star of their high school mm-hmm. and that's who they are. But they really don't have that thing Mm. and so they have to redefine themselves Mm -hmm. or they have to find those talents and put them into another vocation Mm. which is also great Mm -hmm. um but anyway so you're two like do you have perfect pitch when you're a little kid do you know do do your parents know that this is going on yeah so do they foster it do they encourage you what do they do they did foster it Mm -hmm. they did foster it However, I lived in a little town in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So, a little so, rough. Yeah. Well, for many reasons. But one is that as much as they fostered, they were kids too. My parents, oh. you know, like that generation, they were in their early 20s when they right. had a child. Right. So they were kids trying to find themselves. Mm-hmm. And what, did you, what, did you, what did your parents My do? father was a band director at the high school. So he was a musician. And wow. he played the trumpet. Oh. And he, I, my house was filled with music. Hmm. Um, what did they listen to, to at home? Everything from oh, nice. like you know pop music to like you know he loved he loved the the, the Broadway shows like uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and things like that and that you got to end up the, doing I, did I, he get to I, see I did you? indeed yes he did um, but he also played classical he did this great thing Vicky uh, I don't know how old I was I had to be I was under ten we sat in a room and he put on a record of I don't know what the piece was it was classical music mm-hmm. and it was exciting and it was. Mm-hmm. And he said, what's happening? And I let the music underscore the story that I made up. How old were you? Under oh, 10. Oh, under 10. And I said, they're in, a, they're in a graveyard, and the skeletons are dancing, and they're celebrating. And I created this whole story that was wow. inspired by hearing the music. And I realized at that point, consciously or not, that that's what music is is it brings up something in you that is a story or a memory or your imagination or something that touches you um it was a gift that they that they gave me now the other side of that is i lived in a little town in oklahoma so it's not like the opportunities were there you know i took tap class i did whatever i was in a drama class when i was 10 but it wasn't, you School know. School plays. Of course. Of and course. I was putting on my own. And I convinced all my teachers to let me write and produce my own plays starting in the second grade. Second grade. And you know what? <laughs> I think when a kid is enthusiastic about something, mm-hmm. a good teacher says, go. And they did? And they did. Well, one in particular. Mm-hmm. And then after she had done it, a precedent had been set. So after that, I'm like, she let me do it. <laughs> now you let me do it. So you were writing your own plays. I was writing them and directing them and in them and, you know, it was my safety net because growing up there for me was not easy as a gay guy, a gay, gay kid. Okay, so when did you know that? I don't know that I knew how to define it as gay, mm-hmm. but I knew Did you go I, out with girls? 
Oh, sure. You did. But I'm talking about way younger than that. Right. I knew that I was different. Okay. I knew that I wasn't like others. Mm -hmm. Were there other kids who knew they weren't like others? Maybe? Mm. Maybe. Well, I discovered that later. Okay. But. No. No. Did you have friends? Were you picked on? What was the story with that? I was picked on. Mm -hmm. I was bullied. Mm -hmm. I did have friends and I was popular because I was focused and large and fun. Fun. You were fun. I was fun. Mm -hmm. But that was also my survival tool. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a great group of friends. But in those times, you know, like growing up in the 70s, nobody talked about anything and here I am. You know what? I am of the, the generation that was born into a time when homosexuality was considered a mental disease and mental illness, mm -hmm. was illegal, mm -hmm. was this shameful, awful, damnation thing mm -hmm. to marriage equality, and now I have a husband and a child. I am the generation who that experienced that arc mm -hmm. of progress. Mm -hmm. That's an extraordinary thing. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a little later, then you got the perks of the, the movement. Right. If you were a little earlier, you never saw that happen. Right. So it's really something to live in this time. It is. Yeah. But it's a little scary what's going on right now because mm -hmm. all of that is getting rolled back. Yeah, it's very scary. Of, yeah, very frightening. Yeah, I think about that every freaking day, all mm -hmm. the time. I know we all do. Mm -hmm. But it's good that we've been sort of pushed into getting more active, more vocal. More, I think so. Yes, I think so. I think so. I mean, I've been on the marches. And, yeah. But then I also watch every day incrementally these little things, these little things, and the voice that has been given to the people who never were for the rights that we have attained anyway, and now they've been given permission to have that voice. Mm -hmm. And so it makes you scared. It makes you, I mean, Jesus, Roe versus Wade is in jeopardy. I mean, Give me a break! I, I've said this before, but my mother's been, I mean, it's not fair of me to do this, but she's uh, an independent, registered mm -hmm. independent, but she's voted Republican my whole life, and mm. she said, that was the thing that pushed her over, and she's not going to do it. The next election, she's going to vote Democratic. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. I, I, when I grew up in the Bible Belt, mm -hmm. it was blue. Mm -hmm. Everybody was a Democrat. It was manual labor. It was unions. Right, it was all that right. stuff. The whole South was Democrat. It was? It was Democrat. Okay. And then the Civil Rights Movement. Ah. Uh, so you're talking about a long time. Okay. I'm talking about prior to me. Yeah. But when I was growing up, it was blue. Mm -hmm. And the aftermath of that was, oh, oh, it's exactly as in now. Right. What about my life? What about my history? What about my Americanism? What are, who are these people? And even though it wasn't spoken, that's what turned them all. The Republicans reached out to them on some moral mm. whatever, which was an agenda rather than reality. Mm -hmm. Um... But you know what, honey? I think this whole thing that we're going through right now and Trump is a total referendum to having a black president. I really do. I think it just went oh. too far for some people. And now we look at these candidates, like I love Kamala Harris so mm -hmm. much, and then I think, 
should we, is this casting? Is a black woman actually going to win this? Like, I live in a bubble. Yeah. I live in a place where my kid went to public school where gay means nothing, where color means nothing. Mm -hmm. They don't even understand the concept of that kind of discrimination. Yes. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? It is. And yet, is that just the world that I live in? A lot of it. Yeah, yeah we're in, uh, just my kids grew up first in New York, and then we came to L.A., and New York yeah. and L.A. is a whole different thing that, that is going on in, in Oklahoma, probably. It's yeah, although it's, right? it's, it's come a long way. Has it? Well, I think I was, I want to say it was 15 years ago, <coughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. There was a kid in, at the high school who wanted mm-hmm. to take a boy to the prom. Well, it was news. The Washington Post came Wait, wait, in. how long ago? I want to say 15 years ago. Okay. Um... It was a big deal. Ooh. The Washington Post mm-hmm. came in. There was news crews. It was this whole to do. Right. <clears throat> the Westboro Baptist people, you know, God oh. hates fags. Those people, they came and protested outside the high school. I went in to talk. Wow. And Good, Sam. Well, you know what the coolest thing is? It wasn't even anything to do with me. My parents, my mother. So when the Westboro people came. Mm-hmm. You know, God hates fags, little children holding these signs. That's what the kids saw when they went into school. When they came out of school, the Westboro people were gone. When they came out of school, my mother and all these other citizens had push brooms and were sweeping the place where the Westboro people were. <laughs> there was not a word. Was, isn't that beautiful? It is. So, and the kid took the kid to the prom. So, there is progress. I like that. Yeah. So was your mother always, were your parents supportive of you being gay? When did you come out to them? When I was 19, my father asked me. Mm-hmm. He had always sort of known or been afraid of it. And uh, the first reaction was not good. Mm-hmm. Um, did you own it right away when you were asked? Yeah. Well, it was asked in a roundabout way. Mm. It was asked if... Uh, I, I, it was circuitous. Mm. It was... Has any... Had this, the, I had a director there, who, who, director working with who was gay. And he said, hey, has he ever asked you about your sexuality? And I said, no. And he hadn't, because mm. there was no need. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, if he asked you, what would you say? Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, well, I would say that it was gay. And it was very hard for him. Looking back, I don't blame him mm-hmm. because he didn't have the tools mm-hmm. to deal with it. And he was terrified because he wanted, he didn't want his son's life to be difficult mm-hmm. or hard mm-hmm. or lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have siblings? I have a younger brother who was always easy with everything. Mm-hmm. And then, so my dad has this thing, he was in Los Angeles. I said, I need to go home and tell my mom because you guys shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to deal with the secret. I go to my mother. I said, I have to talk to you about something. She said, I <laughs> You're moving to New York. <laughs> I said, no. Although I eventually did. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, I'm gay. Whew. It was like if you say, I have, <laughs> I have cancer. Just kidding. I'm gay. <laughs> I love it. That's the way I kind of talk to my mother. I kind of, Tell her a really horrible story to get to the little Ex- one that's right. underneath. Oh, that she yeah. can deal with that exactly. <laughs> oh but anyway, the play, the movie, is 
very much about me growing up in Oklahoma and uh, finding my 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 voice and my passion and also my my survival tools. Well, I want to talk about that because you you had issues uh, with. I want you to tell it. I don't want to tell it. Mm. Why ham? Why is it called ham? The musical memoir. Why? Well, we all, a ham. Yes. Is somebody who has to be on the stage, mm -hmm. who has to perform, and I think for a lot of hams, mm -hmm. that is the thing. There's a desperation involved. Um, Where did that come from for you? Where does the love me, love me, what is that about? Because it sounds like you had very loving parents. I had loving parents, but it was very confusing. I, I had loving, supportive parents, mm -hmm. but I was criticized by my father out of his fear or whatever else. Mm. Squirrely, sissy, all these things. I remember him telling That's me. That's before you I, told him you were gay. Oh yeah, when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I remember him telling me, if you don't change by the t time you're 13, he didn't say what that was, but I knew what it was, and he knew what it was. And I remember my 13th birthday, I woke up and I thought, oh my God. I'm still me. Oh my God, I'm still me. Um, you know, and my father's turned out to be this really benevolent, great grandfather, great father-in-law to my husband. Nice. Um, it's, 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 you know, he had more change in him than I had to do in me. So have the, has he changed? Okay, so I know that that you're sober. Mm -hmm. how, how, how did how did you were you an alcoholic? Were you a drug addict? What was your drug of choice? Alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. And when did that start for you? Well, I always I left home when I was 15 years old. So by the time I was 15, 16 years old. And I was had moved away. Okay, so what did leaving home at fifteen? Mean? Leaving home meant after my the summer of my fifteenth year, mm -hmm. I went to Op, some Opryland, a theme park. Okay. And I met other people who love to do what I do. You know, um, summer job. A summer job. Uh huh. And then and I fell in love. And this oh, is hello. in the play. This is in the play about me falling in mm -hmm. love. For the most, I mean, the rapture of falling in love for the first time. And then coming back to the place that I knew damned me for any of these. So, the idea of having the most joyous experience and not being able to share it with anyone. Mm -hmm. Not being able to say, this happened to me. And I had a suicide attempt. Okay, what was that about? Mm -hmm. It was that. It was... It was that I didn't believe that it would be ever possible for me to have a life in which I could love someone. And it was about the fear of all the things that young gay kids, and at that time particularly, mm -hmm. fear about, you know, uh, ostracism or... Honesty was never an option. And also what was not fathomable was that there would be a time in which you could love and marry and have children, have a family, all these normal things. Right. It wasn't even part of something that I could have imagined. It wasn't even a what if. It was just literally not on the table. Right. Or a thought. A yeah. thought. Mm -hmm. It was impossible. Mm -hmm. 
And I had experienced such bliss and such pureness and such good mm -hmm. in falling in love with this boy mm -hmm. that I didn't think there was an option. Were you already drinking? Yes, but not, not, not out of hand. So, okay, so what happened when you came home? Well, I came back to a very dark place. Mm -hmm. And, uh... And I, kept it all inside. Kept it all inside. <laughs> except I was having more and more trouble wearing the mask. Mm -hmm. The ham. Mm -hmm. It wasn't working in the same way. Mm -hmm. And I became very depressed. And I can't even imagine you that way. I just, nobody saw it. I can't. Oh. Oh, so you still had the mask on. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I was working it hard. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my parents didn't see it. Nobody saw it. Mm -hmm. And um, my psychology teacher, this is all a part of the movie, a part of the play. But but this is hearing it in a different way. The way totally. You, yeah, the way you present it. No, I'm it just there, saying this yeah. story right, is, right, is right. part of it. And I've read it's your a book, huge so thing. I, I know. Right. Yeah. So this psychology teacher recognized He's like, how was your summer? You know, give me to talk about anything. Well, that was a terrifying thought because I thought, I literally thought, what if he called my parents? What if he called the police? Literally, what if he oh called the god. police? I was 16 at this oh point. Oh my god. So I attempted suicide and. Um, and what was that? What, what, what drove that? What was the thing that. I realized that serious. I could not, that it was the happiest option. Wow. You know? Was it because you missed the boy? Did that play yes, in? Yes, but it was much larger than that. Yeah. It was much more about the entire concept of knowing that I could never live with the joy that I had just experienced. Ever. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like um, a good friend, a good option. And so you failed, obviously. I failed. Did somebody find you, or did no, you just not um, do it? it was did you crazy. just not do it right? No, no I did it really well. You I did? took thirty second all. Um, but my brother, I was. This was in my house. Mm -hmm. My parents were out for the night. My grandmother was there. My brother stepped on her darning needle, and it broke off in his foot. So I'm hearing him screaming. Yeah. And I have to help him. And I'm helping him, and I'm pulling it out with pliers, and oh. I'm dealing with all this stuff, and then I'm like, oh shit, I just took <laughs> So I threw up, and threw up, and threw up, and threw up. And then I made pots and pots of coffee. And um, I- Really, you didn't even go to the hospital? I did not go to the hospital. I was so scared of going to sleep. Um, and I waited up to because tell my Because you changed your mind. Or just- I had to be present for him. Yeah. I had to take care of him. And also the other part of that, Vicky, is that I think when you are suicidal, it's because you feel you have no value. Mm -hmm. And I think that that circumstance gave me enough after it was over. Mm -hmm. In other words, rather than doing it again the next day, mm -hmm. gave me a sense of I have value, value mm -hmm. because I did so. I meant something. Mm -hmm. And that got, got me through for the next part. And then I went back to the psychology teacher <clears throat> and I told him the truth. And I told him about Scott, my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I told him everything. 
And he is the one who said to me, there is nothing wrong with you. <gasps> Thank God for him. Thank God you had him. He got out the fucking American Psychiatric Association book and showed me, because this was like 1976, Okay. showed me that in 1973 that the American Psychiatric Association had deemed that homosexuality was not a mental disorder. Like, he that was showing me. So he was insane. right there, and he kept saying, there is nothing. And you know what he said to me? He said... Not until 1973? Was it thought... 1973. Okay, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Go no, no, no. He said to me, look at who you are. He said, where do you think your talent comes from? And your humor, and your compassion, and all the things that are you. You can't... Pick this quality and throw that quality away. It's all one thing. Either you like yourself as a whole, mm -hmm. or you don't. Mm -hmm. But you can't say, I like this part, and I don't like this part of your fundamental who you are. Right, right. And, and by the way, so then I left school. I went back to live with that same boy <laughs> in Nashville, Tennessee. And you're like 16? I was 16. Your parents let you go? Yeah, they didn't really. Did you run well, away from home? What happened? No, did no, you do no, no. They. Uh, and you you quit school? Yeah, I finished it through correspondence courses. And they let you do that. You know what? I think part of it was because I was really mature and mm -hmm. really focused, and I think that they knew that you'd be okay. My little town was not going to give me what I needed for the next steps of my life mm -hmm. and career. Mm -hmm. But I look at sixteen-year-old kids, and I'm like. I know. I, I, what we right. got away with. I mean, I watched my kids like, oh, right. My kids didn't get. I always knew where my kids were every second. Yeah. My daughter's twenty-one, and I still want to know where she is. Where she is. Yeah, she's in New York. I still want to know where she is. Right. Call I me. walk her home from the subway to her house. I talked to her on the phone. Meanwhile, she lives there. Of course, she, she does the of subway. Of course, all by herself. She does everything by herself, but I still, you know. Sorry. No, no, no. I think they knew. And they let me go, and I don't know if they were... I think that's really kind of great, actually. It is. I think they recognized it. It was a great thing. So, okay, so what happens at 16 when now you're in Nashville with this boy? Yeah, it was the and greatest year ever. How are you supporting yourself? I'm doing a job. We're working at Opryland, and we did a we did a show five times a day, and then we went on tour, and then we did a film of the show, and wow. we did all these things, mm -hmm. and I found my tribe. Um, Where did you, okay, did you take singing lessons growing up? Did you mm. do all that? It's all God-given. Well, thank you. Um, I listened to other singers. You trained yourself. I, yeah, I listened to other singers, and I listened to how they place things. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I'm a very big advocate of, yes, you must know technically what to do, right? Whether you're a dancer or a singer or whatever. How did you technically know what to do? I imitated, and I found placement by listening to different singers. But that's really secondary to the kishkas. Why you sing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know what? That's kind of what that psychology teacher was telling me. Because would I have had the need to express myself with a, with a gifted instrument? Mm -hmm. Would I have had the need to express myself that way had there not been pain and obstacle? Because you and I both know, my dear, that all art comes from obstacle. All growth comes from obstacle. Yes, it does. Period. You don't have to have art right. in your life. All but I'm talking about yeah. 
when we're talking about whether it's music or painting or architecture or whatever, whatever it is, mm -hmm. the people who create mm -hmm. have had to overcome something. They have to say something. Mm -hmm. They have to find a humanity. I don't know anyone who's grown up with some sparkling life who has a goddamn thing to contribute to, so to society. <laughs> you mean like a Kardashian or something? Well, I don't think that's a sparkly life. I think that's deep shit. Yeah, that's really scary. I, I Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And no one has a pristine life. But I think for, for what those we see of, and what's real is very different things. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. Yes. But I think that I'm great. <coughs> I mean, I'm a part of a minority, hmm. and I'm I'm. But again, okay, I'm generalizing. And this sounds, maybe sounds generalizing to a stereotypical degree. Okay. But if you look at American history mm -hmm. and what the black culture brought us mm -hmm. through music, mm -hmm. you look at the Jewish, which is another minority, mm -hmm. through humor mm -hmm. and that kind of structure, that is inherent, that is American by brand, that humor. Mm -hmm. I mean, we think of it that way. Right. That's Jewish. Yeah. That's what's so funny. <laughs> black. It's, it's, it's music and sound and pain and rhythm and R&B, all those things. You know, I hate to be stereotypical, but gay people <laughs> have stereotypically created beautiful things. Mm -hmm. Beautiful things. Mm -hmm. So all of these are minorities. And when you grow up in a place, I think, that doesn't have a, isn't steeped in culture. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my family, I've done my... Ancestry. We go back to like the 1600s. Oh, really? American? Oh, God. Oh, really? Both sides. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. We, but we didn't come from that kind of like an Italian thing or a Jewish thing, you know. Or a, and yet you've got the Jew in you. I'm totally a Jew. <laughs> but you know, here's the thing, though, Vicky. I feel like I'm just babbling. No, here's no, the no, thing no. about um, the gay thing. Yeah. Is that we are not. Um, we are not passing that down through our... Our parents didn't teach us, oh, I'm gay, you're gay, you're children, you're... It's not like if you're black or you're Jewish. How do you pass on the gay thing? You can't, because it's not... And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have gay children. Precisely. Yeah. So there is no one incumbent Ooh, of passing that history and where we came from and where what we've accomplished. So you're not coming from, if you're black, the parents who knew and their genealogy and this is our plight and this is what we're after and this is what we stand for or Jewish or anything gay people the parents the, there's no connection right and many of us have been pushed out of right. our families mm -hmm. so it is incumbent upon us to do it through art to do it through passing the story too because you know there's a generation now that thinks these are my rights why should I be grateful this is just, of course it should be this way. Mm -hmm. like, do you know what we got, what, how we got here? Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're all over the place, but I love that about you. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so let's go back to, so how, how so, so you're with Scott and you're in Nashville and you're living this life you want to live. Why the booze? What's going on there? Well, first of all, I'm living this life I want to live, but we still didn't tell anybody. Even our closest friends. Really? It was still of a time where we had separate beds, like Lucy yeah, and Ricky. Really? And then we pushed them together at night, and we spread them apart in the morning. Wow. Because even if people knew, they it was not talked about. We were not... 
So you're not uh, holding hands outside. No. Uh-uh. So the booze, well, it's hereditary. Okay, yeah. My mother is a sober alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in other elements of my family. Mm-hmm. And um, When did you know you were an alcoholic? I didn't admit it till I was in my 40s. Right, but... Um, when are you drinking every day? When are you drinking in the... Well, I was drinking every day for... Oh, ever. Yeah. Always. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was part of my... You know what I called it when I had... And I was always... I was never seriously into hard booze. I what was your drug of choice? I, it sounds so... You know, I go to meetings and it's like Don't so... Don't say rosé. No, it's Don't. not rosé. <laughs> but I drink wine. Yeah. I drink a shitload of wine. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's um, yeah. I never... Uh, I never went... I mean, I drank hard stuff, but not really. Mm-hmm. I, I drank... On a regular basis, and my life, just, and also I perceived it. I was going to say this: when I would start being able to drink at whatever time I decided that was all right, and I actually literally said, "Oh, this is when I go into my real self. This is my. This is when it's my time." Yeah. Because everything else was. Did a you bit perform of an under the influence? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was the one thing mm-hmm. I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got really bad. Wait, and how did it? How did it? Sadness. I didn't wreck any cars. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, didn't go to jail. Didn't go to jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> always made a living. Always, always made a living. Mm-hmm. But my life became very small and very sad. How? I isolated myself mm-hmm. because I would rather have, I would rather drink mm-hmm. than be in a socially awkward situation. Were you a blackout drunk? I I didn't realize I was. Mm. But then I learned later that I was. (laughs) And also I started, I would take sleeping pills and things on top of it, Mm. which is just a really bad combination. And Danny would attest to that, Mm. my husband, Mm -hmm. when he's pulling me off a balcony in a hotel room. So you were already with Danny when you were... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How, how many years do you have? We've been together. Oh, sober? Uh-huh. 16. Um, Danny and I have been together for 25. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how did you guys meet? We met doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, the Broadway National Tour. And I was Joseph, and of Danny was one were. of my brothers. And um, it was just a thing. It was just sort of an electricity, and, and I was in another relationship. Oh, I was in a long-term relationship mm-hmm. with a great man, with mm-hmm. a great guy. Mm-hmm. But there had been things lacking and mm-hmm. things that hadn't been really evolving and growing. And, you know, it, the good news is it wasn't just like a, an affair on the road, which is so statistics, right? The mm-hmm. people screw around on the road. Mm-hmm. I've been with him 25 years. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> We have a child. It was <laughs> I think it's kind exactly. of empty. Okay, so, so let's go back career-wise. So... So how does this client? So so you're in Nashville. You're doing the the gay yeah. theme park. Right. How does this now start to parlay to? How do you get to Star Search? How does oh. this happen? Oh well, I came to Los Angeles and I went to UCLA for two years. I auditioned to get in the theater department, even though I hadn't graduated. Okay, from wait. Mexico. I want to know this story <laughs> because I know a shit ton of kids that didn't get into UCLA. How the hell did you get into UCLA? I was, I'm really talented. <laughs> I got into the theater department. I had no You had no grades? Not in the last two years. Oh, God. No. Um, but you know what? 
I gotta say, part of it was just my chutzpah. Part of it was just like my, I think, I know for me, when I'm sitting behind the table, when I'm auditioning, you can just tell who has that thing. Yeah. You recognize them, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I always had that. Mm -hmm. I always had that need and that spark and that curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I did that. But even it gets worse. It gets worse. I only went for two years. And the second year... You did something at UCLA. I didn't really take classes the second year. Yes. <laughs> I took some theater classes, but I didn't take any general classes. Because I convinced the dean of fine arts with my collaborator, Bruce Newberg, to let us write, produce a huge musical. And so it was I, the first one ever at UCLA that It was used. the music and theater departments. And so we wrote this thing. It was really good. You started a whole thing. That is we started thing. a thing. And so... What was it? It was called Hurry, Hurry Hollywood. It was set in the 30s. Yeah. And I'm really mm -hmm. proud of it. It was great. And, it, you know, it's weird because this is one of those shows that never got to Broadway, but it's never gone. Every 10 years, there seems to be a resurgence really? of this show. It's a really good score, I have to say. I'm really proud of you. And know, is there a you book? know when you look back on your work and you're like, eh, that was a piece of shit. This is really good. And the, there's a book? Oh, yeah. So there's a story. Oh, no, no. It's a, it's so a, it's not just a review. It's no, a, it's a full-on story. It's a full-on okay. musical. So I was very, again, I went in. <laughs> and and um, they, they said, yeah. yeah. And they financed it and they let us do it. And, and then, frankly, after that, I thought, well, I don't know what else I'm going to get out of this school because they just gave me the greatest education. They just gave me the greatest gift. And I was champing at the bit to do my thing. So then I just started playing clubs everywhere. And then I met a man named Jerry Blatt, who was my mentor, my director, like a father figure. Where did you meet? How did you meet him? And what was that? I met him because actually my father was part of this. He was helping me find somebody who could sort of mold me. Mm -hmm. um, and is this was, before or after you left UCLA? This is after UCLA. Mm -hmm. I think it was 19. Mm -hmm. And Jerry saw me in this nasty little club in Santa Monica. And we started working together. Jerry is... What, what did that mean? What did being a mentor for you mean? He was a brilliant director and writer. Mm -hmm. He taught me... He, Jerry was very instrumental in creating Bette Midler. He wrote all those shows. He wow. directed all those shows. Wow. He wrote those things that twist your heart and go from funny to... He understood structure. Mm. He understood theater. Mm. He was a Broadway writer. He was many things. Mm -hmm. He was a genius. Mm -hmm. A genius. And... He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> okay. AIDS, 1989. Um, and he was the most influential person on my, in my entire life. On my, he taught me about telling the truth. Okay, what did that look? What, what, what did that look like? How, how did he break that down for you? Do you remember? Well, I'd always been a lyric guy. Mm -hmm. It was never tutorial. My work with Jerry, mm -hmm. he would just challenge me to. How would he challenge you to, to, to be he more would real? Say, well, he would say, "Let me say it this way: If he saw me singing the song the same way three times, he'd be like, bored. What? What?" Whatever informed you the first time is not holding up this time. Find wow. something new. Wow. You know? Because I see that. People that have the instruments, that have the gift, that have the brilliance in it, but they sing it the same way every time. And it's... So you see them the first time, it's like, wow! And then you see them again, it's like, oh. 
And the third time, it's like, oh. Yeah. And it's not even the notes. Because some people can sing the same notes mm -hmm. because they've sung something for 100 years. Right. It's the intention. Mm -hmm. Because for me, who sung some of the same songs for 20, 30 How years. How many times have you sang Over, over the, the Rainbow? Rainbow? Thousands, right? Mm -hmm. And I can honestly say this. This is no bullshit. I find a new meaning for that song constantly. I love that. Sometimes, I think in the beginning, it was out of need. It was out of need. Why? Why can't I? And then at one point, I remember it became, why not me? Why not me? Little bird of birds, it's a fucking bird. Why not me? And then it's come, and it, it, it's evolved into different places of why can't we? You know, I mean, it's many things, and that's what good material does. But it's, but it's also it. when it's coming from the, that place in you. That's and it can happen what happened that day, right? What Did happened you, that day? What happened that day? A bad phone call, a bad lunch, or whatever. And it affects and informs what you say. Mm. If you, Because you're present in the moment. Because you, you have to be. Because you're, well, not everybody is. Not every artist is, but you are. And that's the difference between great art and you know, there's a song that I do, the, the City Lover, there's a time after time, mm -hmm. which I recorded and which I've done forever. My God, that song has changed its definition for me so many times. From what to what? Give us a couple of examples. Well, I did it a couple of weeks ago at a show in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. And this may seem obvious, but it became, it was so much about my son. Lying in my bed, I hear the clock tick and think of you. Um, I can think of you falling in circles. Uh, the, you, you say go slow. You know, Daddy, wait. Daddy, you're pushing me too hard. Daddy, you know, the second hand unwinds the time that's going so fast, all these things. And, the, and I, you will find me. If you fall, I will catch you. Oh. I'll be waiting. And all of a sudden, every line of this song was a a visual memory and a visual thought for me and it completely informed the song and I know, Vicky, that it's because of something <clears throat> that, you know, he like did that morning. What's your process? Like, I was talking to Eileen Graff, do you know Eileen? Yes. And, and we were talking about Frank Sinatra when she mm. was a little girl, her father used to take her into the sound booth and she would watch, wow. they would watch Frank sing. Wow. Right? She said, I don't know if she told me this, but she does this with her students, she teaches uh, how to make the song your own, that's mm -hmm. her thing. And so she said that what, or somebody told me, what Frank would do is that he would always read the lyric as a poem. Mm, or that yes. like, he would never read it yeah. with the same inflection that you're going to sing rhythm. it. Right. Right. The, the phrases same, don't end, whatever. Which is why Absolutely. he's rhythmically the most brilliant right. singer that ever was. But that right? puts you in touch with the words. And do you, so do you do? Oh, definitely. You do. And in fact, I have told people when I've done a master class or something mm -hmm. that it's not only just important that they read it, it's important that they write it ah. in their own hand. Oh, I like that. Write it down. And, and you'll find that sometimes some songs, like you're talking about the end of a phrase, mm -hmm. the sentence doesn't end there. It's, there's a beat in the but that's not the end of the sentence. Right, not the end of so the So why are you breathing? there and why aren't you saying this as one thought it's not separate it's not it's there's so much to excavate mm -hmm. in a good song mm -hmm. and and so the other thing that Eileen does with for her students is she has them 
associated to something in their life. Mm -hmm. that, that, Hello. So <laughs> is that a conscious thing for you at this point? Yes. Or is, it is. It is. So if you look at a new song. Well, I should say, I, yeah, it is and it isn't. First of all, if I'm attracted to a song, mm -hmm. there's a reason. What's your favorite song? The last time you did the show, you had a favorite song. I don't remember what it was right now. Do you, do you have a favorite song right now? Like, you just played for us a piece in the... Uh, I did, uh, uh, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Why because is that so all, meaningful to Right you? now, because of the Michigas from what we're going through as a you country. You are a Jewy boy. <laughs> <laughs> because that there has been so much taken away from our obligation to help each other. And there is a strong Republican argument of me, mine, now. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to pay for somebody else's this? Because it's my obligation. Because I am part of a fellow man. Mm -hmm. And so that song has been in my head. And so Todd and I did it. Um, but what did you ask me just before that? You were talking I, about, oh, my favorite song. Right. It's a so out of the blue of nothing. Okay. There's a Janice Ian song. That's a woman's song, Jesse. I love that song. Okay. okay. I've been seeing it in concert. It's a woman's song. I have to think about that. But Jesse is a... Yeah, doesn't oh, matter. It is one of the most poetic, hmm. visual, visual. Give us a little lyric. Jesse, come home. There's a hole in the bed where we slept. Now it's growing cold. Hey, Jesse, your face in the place where we lay by the hearth all apart. It hangs on my heart. Ah, it says, Jesse, the floors and the boards are recalling your steps, and I remember too. And so, what, what is that? What is that? It just, spark and for I don't you? even know what it is in my personal life, mm -hmm. but it's like I have this whole vision oh. of a movie oh. and being this person with this waiting. Um, it kills oh. me every time. I can't, I, I cry every time I sing it. And I, I'm not saying this is because <laughs> my mother abandoned me at the mall. It's not, <laughs> it's not that, it's uh -huh. just. You know, Danny makes fun of me all the time because I just... Is he sentimental? No. Not at all. Sentimental about memories and friends, yes. In the moment, no. Okay. And neither is my son. Really? His, his emotional cards are very close to his chest. What sign is he? He is an Aries. Does that he, make sense? He's got it in there. Oh, I know he My does. son's an Aries He's also. deep and rich. Deep, deep, okay, deep, Okay, but let deep, me tell you something. But always acts like everything's okay. Exactly. Yeah, I got that. And he lives with me. Who cries at the drop of a hat? <laughs> so we were What's seeing. Danny? They were, Wait, Dan, who are you? I'm Gemini. Oh. Yeah, and Danny's a Leo. Okay. Every, every okay. so many people in my life are Leos, and I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> but we were a few weeks ago. I took Cooper to see. There's a new production of Anne Frank at the yes. at the hall at the the hall of tolerance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's an Anne Frank exhibit before, so I take him. We see the stuff. He and Danny go away. I you are so Jewy. I'm so Jewy. <laughs> there's a room. I'm a Jew. I, that's why I can say this. And I'm not, but I can't because I am. Um, there's a room that has speakers, survivors, talking. A woman, a survivor. My mother-in-law did uh, for the Shoah Foundation. Her she story. did? Yeah. So I went in. Mm -hmm. I snuck in. And I'm standing at the back and she says, Come sit. You look uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm like, I have to leave soon. It's okay. Come in. So I sit and I'm listening to this. 
I'm a freaking mess. I've just seen the Amtrak thing, and now I'm going into the play. Uh huh. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm sitting there with Cooper, mm -hmm. and I'm holding his hand, and he's mm -hmm. cuddling against me, and I'm watching the play. And at the end, I am so trying to, to contain the noise of the sobs, and that little motherfucker turns to me and says, "Why are you so sad?" And I said, "I'll tell you in a minute." <laughs> And as soon as the thing went and the lights came up, I said, Because it's the saddest story in the entire world! Why are you so hard? <laughs> he wasn't moved? He just protects himself. Yeah, that's what it is. But he's a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. He's a lovey-dovey. So very fine. compassionate boy. Mm -hmm. He's the first person who will go to somebody in need and say, Can I help you? Mm -hmm. But he doesn't show. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally, I get all of that. I get all of that. I have one of those, and I get that. And what sign is he? He's an Aries, my son. Oh, he's yeah. right. You said yeah, that. he's an Aries. So, and my father was an Aries, but my father was a mushy. My father was like you. He was, he was a, a singer, and he yeah. was a mushy, and he. Yeah. You know what, though? You were talking about people not knowing things that come up. Nobody knows this except maybe my a few people. I told this in my closest inner circle. As emotional as I am mm -hmm. on stage, as available as I am on stage. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, I can cry, I can go to it, right? Boom, 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 boom. In my real life, I am not about myself. Is that, do you think that's, do you think that was an age, or do you think that had to do with that you had to hide? I think that might be it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that might be it, that I was so used to whatever that shield was. Mm -hmm. And also, I think it's part of it is being in this business. Well, it's also a Gemini. You have two sides. That's you just true. do. You're, That's true. You're, you're a twin to yourself. So yeah. So you can do it here, but you don't do it here. Well, and maybe that's why I do it there. Mm -hmm. Because it allows me to be that mm -hmm. and to be in touch. Mm -hmm. But I don't... I have trouble actually saying I'm really sad about it. A part of it is this business mm -hmm. because there is so much horrible, hateful, evil, everything. Rejection, bad decorum... All those things, and so you learn. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Mm -hmm. And I think as I've gotten older, and I said this to Danny, I need to work on that because I don't ever want to be one of those people who is shields myself to the degree that I feel like I might get hurt, mm. so I don't feel the joy. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I usually dive completely in because it's proportionate, right? Mm -hmm. You can only feel as bad as you felt good. Mm -hmm. You can only have lost as much as you've loved. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would rather be somebody who gets hurt very, very deeply and not have than someone who have not had this part. Mm -hmm. But I do find that I shield myself. Even in your most intimate relationships? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you break it down? Are you aware when you're doing it? I don't know. Mm. No. Okay, so now, so we are uh, sober people and we have a program of recovery. When you're in those when you're in those rooms, are you mm. able to? Yes. Interesting. There's a there's a rawness, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's safe a, there. It's safe mm -hmm. and. There's humor. A lot. There's so much humor. Mm -hmm. And that's also been my saving grace, because mm -hmm. I can find the joke in anything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a safe place. Mm -hmm. Also because it doesn't matter what the reaction is. 
right? When you're with intimate people that you love, there's always that other thing of like, what are they going to think if I say this? What are they going to think? Are they going to try to take care of me? I just want to be expressing myself. Don't fix me. Don't, you know. Mm -hmm. But when in those rooms, mm -hmm. it's like, whatever. Well, what was your bottom? Why'd you get sober? You know, I said this word before, but the, I was so sad. Mm. It was so small. And I didn't get sober. So you're already with him. You're already in love. You're already with oh, your yeah. partner for yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. What, what happened? Like what? Okay, what, so yeah. here's what happened. Uh-huh. Liza Minnelli, who was one of, of the best Of course, sto this story has Liza Minnelli in it. She was uh, in rehab. Mm -hmm. I had just moved here. Mm -hmm. Well, not just. I'd been here for a little while. Mm -hmm. Four years, three or four years. But, you know, when she was in L.A., she stayed with me when I was in New York. And she was going into rehab, and she said, will you uh, So come? she was a drinking buddy? No. A singing buddy? A singing buddy, a best friend buddy, and all that stuff. We have had a falling out. We don't talk anymore. I, that, I, I, don't know, I don't remember why, but I it's know that. It's a sad thing, because she was one of the closest people to me in my life. And she, I've never said this publicly, she misunderstood something. Remember when I told you you should tell your friends her, to watch? Yeah. You're going to find out things about She misunderstood something that actually was not remotely hurtful to her, but she was surrounded by some people who... I think out of jealousy and things made her feel like she should be what? angry. Eh. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so Liza was, it called me and she said, mm -hmm. will you come for family week? And this was, I was living here, it was on the East Coast mm -hmm. um, in the winter. You're and still drinking. Still drinking. Mm -hmm. Drank on the plane all the way there, drank that in the, the night before in the hotel. The room service, because we were in the bum fuck whatever, mm -hmm. the room service stopped and I ended up <laughs> going down the stairs, hiding in my boxer shorts and a tank top to break into the restaurant to get more alcohol. Oh, stop. Because I knew that I couldn't have any of rehab. <laughs> so I got caught, and it was, it was small, and whatever. So the next day, I go in, and, you know, I'm living in the on the facility and whatever, and I see her every day, and we do our exercises and write our, like letters, our letter, write our letters to each other and family, and that's what this is about. Oh. So meanwhile, I'm like without alcohol, and I'm schwitzing, and I'm like scratching, and I'm going through this whole thing. And oh my God, you didn't even sneak anything in? No. Well, and they check your oh, shit. Oh, oh, yeah. Even us, we put our bags <laughs> on the thing, and they go through our things <laughs> to make sure we're not, you know, bringing, bringing contraband to the people. <laughs> so it was this whole thing of exercises, yeah. which of course was igniting my own issues. Uh-huh. So we finish the week, we drive back to New York City, I'm staying with her, and um, there was like a meeting at her house, and this is, there's a meeting at her house, and then there was a guy who was like in charge, he was the, not a sponsor, but he was just in charge of her whatever program back in New York. Oh, you know, that's like a sober buddy kind, kind of thing? Of, yeah. yeah. So, um, I was really a mess during this house meeting about how things were gonna be and all these changes. And he said, uh, do you wanna go to coffee? Like sure. So we walk down on 69th Street, and there's this little coffee house, and we sit down, 
And I say to him, I think I'm like, he knew this from which looking is, at me. Which is why he invited you to coffee. Invited coffee. And I started telling this complete stranger everything. Wow. And he just listened. And uh, I went back to the apartment and I went, you know, I went to her room and I just lost it, lost it. And she said, what's up, what's wrong? And I went over and I said, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and she helped me and she said, I know. <laughs> I know. And I went to my first meeting that night. Really? Yeah. I got my book, my big book. So no big bottom there, just... Well, it had been leading to God knows what. And but you hadn't you hadn't drank for like all those days for a week. That was rough. So did you drink that? Were you drinking that day? When no. You, so you still we drove had in. Drink. We drove in, and it was that day. Oh, so and you I had... went to coffee within two hours, and then this happened, and we went to a meeting that night. Wow! So you were already sober a week. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I was so whacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so whacked. And and, and no falling back after no, that. No. My mom came out here. I was a mess. Because it's not just the drinking, the actual physical part mm -hmm. of the drinking. It's what it represents. It's mm -hmm. the psychological part of it. It's mm -hmm. the, your friend. It's a primary relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a lot. Mm -hmm. My mom was great, though, because she was, had been sober for years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was she in program? Did she go to program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. She still goes to her uh -huh. meetings every week. Oh, that's great. Um, no, she's great. Uh -huh. And she would just, I would lay my head on her lap and cry. And so how, how long did it take for you to start feeling like, did for life to start getting big? I think it happened fairly soon. Did you work the steps? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And sponsor? And a great sponsor. Mm -hmm. Great, great for a sponsor. Mm -hmm. Really, really diligent and understanding. I remember when we were reading mm -hmm. from the big book, and I couldn't read. I couldn't focus enough to read. I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he would just take it and then read for me. Mm -hmm. And then he was gentle and yet challenging. You know what? I just follow direction. If he had told me to, whatever, pop on a leg, one leg, shave my head, and sing Dixie, I would have done it. I had to be available. Mm -hmm. And I found great, great friends mm -hmm. and great, great support and comfort. And then, of course, it becomes another addiction. What you do for someone else that you become. My, my sponsor said to me, not drinking is the byproduct of this, of this program. Mm -hmm. I, have, I, you're in the chain for me. And he said, someone right now is in the world waiting for your paths to cross. And we just carry on the chain. Mm -hmm. Talk about needing, having a sense of value. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And I, there was this great old timer. His name was Dwayne Wood. Alive, he was amazing. He had like seven hundred years of sobriety. <laughs> I mean, he was had been like in World War Two. He was uh -huh. this wonderful, and I remember him saying, "There is no obstacle we can't give our way out of." Wow, there's no obstacle we can't give our way out of. Whatever it is that is in front of us, mm -hmm. 
we can give our way out. If we're afraid of money, then we give money. If we're afraid of telling the, the whatever it is, you give your way out of the obstacle. Now, so, so let's have an example of that. Okay. I like that a lot, and I've never heard that before. Good, huh? I really like that. So if you're afraid of money, you give money. Whatever it is. So if you're afraid of... Whatever what, it is. What if you're afraid of, health, of your health? What if you're a hypochondriac? How do you Then you help that? someone who is afraid of their health. Mm -hmm. Then you handhold someone who needs it more than you do. Mm -hmm. You know, I know, I had a friend who was dying of cancer, mm -hmm. and it's very, very easy to become selfish, you know, stages of anger and resentment and mm -hmm. all these things. And I said to her, having heard that and been in the program, mm -hmm. I said, you know what you should do? You should go, because there's somebody who has, you've had cancer for eight months, there's somebody who's only had it for three. So you've been through what they're going through, and I'll bet you can help them. And once we go outside of ourselves, you can't keep into service, mm -hmm. that's what he meant. Mm -hmm. When our focus, and this is kind of like with Danny and I, we don't practice this nearly as well as we say it. <laughs> but the thing is, what we try, try, not successfully always, to live with is, mm -hmm. if I make you the most important person in the world, and you make me the most important person in the world, mm -hmm. we'll be fine. It's when I need what I need, and you're not giving me this, and you didn't understand this about me, and you didn't hear me. But when our focus is on the other person, if as long as it's reciprocal, because if it's okay, not, yeah, then you're a doormat. But also, it's not good to make the other person our higher power. That can no, be dangerous I don't, also. Yes, no, you're right. Yeah. I don't mean that. I'm saying that if my life is invested in listening, mm -hmm. rather than being heard, mm -hmm. understanding, or to be understood, sound familiar, mm -hmm. and so if that's my MO, mm -hmm. and he's doing the same thing, then we're sort of like, we're outside of what our need, our self. Now, if only one person is doing that, then you have a doormat situation. Mm -hmm. So it's not that. It's the idea of, well, I said to him, <laughs> here's when we were first together, I said, I need to tell you something about me. I will always give you the biggest piece of cake until you expect it. Ooh. And then I will make sure you don't get it. <laughs> wow. Right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love what you're saying, and I actually lived this a little bit yesterday uh, with my partner who disappointed me twice yesterday. And my normal go-to, just by sleeping, he just slept through uh, a couple things. And normally I would take that very personally, mm. and I would maybe get a little punishing, mm -hmm. quietly punishing, just maybe not answer the text in a timely right, manner. Right, just to show him. Yes, just yeah. maybe be a little chilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead, yesterday, I made the decision to have fun and to just laugh through it. We laughed so hard we cried. And, um, and, he so thanked, you, and he thanked you me. you confronted him with this. You know, I didn't confront. I laughed through it. I, I made fun of it. You said you were a schmuck. You slept through the thing. And I was laughing. Right. And I was acting as if. Mm. But what happened was I ended up feeling the feel, right? I, right. I, I thought myself, you know, I, yes. I, it worked. I acted myself acting into right thinking. Right? So 
I, I was laughing and I started to feel fun. Mm -hmm. And then we had fun. Mm -hmm. And then he thanked me sincerely today for being able to have fun through it rather than my usual, which was to be punishing. No, but here's the conundrum. If a person, and I don't know your, your mm -hmm. relationship, if this person has a habit of doing that, and we do that, then does that condone that behavior, which is not acceptable? Absolutely not. And, and no, it, this is a person with a lot of sobriety and a lot of recovery. And so this was just a one-off? Who chooses, no, sometimes this, okay. is, this happens. And it's, it's something that recurs, but it's not an everyday thing. And it's, right. it's, he, he's striving to be better. Okay. I'm striving to be better. So right. my go-to is to be punishing, and I'm holding it's it down. To do. it's, it's the easy choice, isn't right. it? But the harder choice was just to be in acceptance. To not react. Because acceptance is the answer to all of my problems. Today. You know, my friend Diane, who's like my bestie too, my, she always says, if you knew one more piece of information, it's like when you, whatever, it's road rage. You get it and you're like, that, whatever. She's like, you don't know. What if they late to the hospital? Yes. Even just in any minor thing, if you had one more piece of information, would you be more forgiving and have compassion? And so, and I'm trying to, you know, you teach your, you want to teach your children this. It's like, you know what? Yeah, they were an asshole. But we don't know what's going on. So let's give them that and let it not affect us. Well, it also is, is, it's the present for me, mm -hmm. right? Because if I have compassion for that person, mm -hmm. because resentments are the poisons I give myself to kill you, yeah, right? Exactly. To kill somebody else. Right. So if I'm not angry, if I'm not upset, then I ends. feel better. Not only that, oh, but I'm... you're not passing on that shit to somebody else. Yes. And I know. say that to my son. I said, you have so much power. Mm -hmm. You have so much power. What you do affects a a, a chain oh, of God, events. Absolutely. So what you do with that information, I said, imagine that kind of power. Mm -hmm. You can either pass on something positive and loving, or you can pass on resentment and anger. And you know, you try to teach these things, but really what you're trying to do it's, is teach yourself. And, and, it's, <laughs> well, and it's also the power of example. Because yes, when your totally. son sees you, you behaving that way, sees Danny behaving that way, right. that's what teaches. I can say all the things I want right. to, but until they I feel it, it, and until I feel it, until I live it, like somebody can tell me, why are you being punishing? You're not going to, right. you're beating yourself up. No, it's not till I feel the difference. Right. It's not till I be nice instead and go, oh, this feels so much better. Right. I like laughing through this. When I'm, right. when I'm being punishing, I'm, I'm right. right? But I don't want to feel that way. No. No, that stinks. Yes. Uh, so, all we've right. been talking for like five uh, hours. We, we've been t all right, but we haven't even gotten to the career. No, we, we haven't actually. We, we, we haven't been talking we that. Do you have questions? We do. Why? Okay, so I want to get to oh. the career, but let's hear the questions before we go there. All right, you ready? Yeah. Oh God, yes. I've got I've got a lot of comments too. So okay, give we'll us, take give, both. Give us right, both. Linda, uh, let me see. The book is touching and funny as the show was in the movie. Sam, will you be on tour or performing anywhere in the LA area anytime soon? Um, I, you were talking about Catalina. I just did yeah. Catalina a few shows about a few months ago. I just did some of Palm Springs. I have no plans. Wait, no, no. You have something coming up on August 30th and 31st. Some, you have oh, something. Oh, that's in Palm Springs, too. Uh, okay. That's right. What is that? In Palm Springs. Okay. Uh, I forgot about that. I will be there. <laughs> um, but in L.A. proper, probably within the next six months, probably. And then, but let's talk about the movie a little bit. Right yeah, but, but first of all, I will not be doing ham again for maybe ever. Really? It's just too hard, Vicky. <laughs> it 
it is it physically exhausting physically emotionally vocally everything and I did it and I did it and I did it and it's like my producer Susie Deed said she goes a 25 year old could not do this show eight times a week and so I'm really happy that it's filmed mm -hmm. and that I can share it because I probably won't be taking this show out again. Okay. That's it's, all right. It's too... It's You're writing another <clears throat> book. Are you still writing the other book? It's, yeah, a, it's, it's fiction. It's I remember fiction. you telling me about it. It's done. It's done. So now we're in that process. Okay. It's, can you tell us the name? No, don't. I'd rather not. Okay, don't. Okay. Can you give us a little... A little tidbit it's about it? It's about a boy. I know it's about a boy from Oklahoma, a isn't boy, it? A boy from Oklahoma. It's a coming-of-age story. He's 12 years old. Mm -hmm. But he also has... He learns that he has the gift to heal. Mm -hmm. And um, what that means in that time, in that culture, in that Bible Belt, how he's exploited, what he... And he's also a 12-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of... It's a freaking movie is what it is. Um, but yeah, I'm really proud of it. It's a, it's a. I'm excited. I can't wait to read it. I should give you. I would love that. I would love that. I would love that. All right. What else we got? Uh, so, uh, let's see. Stephanie would like to know if you were a big Happy Days fan. What a peculiar <laughs> Stephanie. Oh, you know why? Because <laughs> Stephanie loves, hi Stephanie. She loves Anson and Donnie Moe. She loves Anson Williams. What's Donnie not Moe's to love? Right? What's not to love? And of Anson, course I, I was a Happy Anson. Days fan. Okay. My brother, I think, had like the lunch pail and stuff. <laughs> and of course, Gary Marshall. Oh, God. G Gary did the living room. So did Anson oh, and yeah. Donnie, actually. Wow. Yeah. Love them all. Brilliant. Yeah. Here's another one. Did you work with Gary? Did you ever work with Never. Gary? Never. Maybe you can tell the uh, Elizabeth Taylor Eliza wedding story. Oh, it I is can't. A, it's I, too long. It's. it's <laughs> can you? Is there a short version? I can't. All right. All right. Just, it was a circus. It was a circus, and it is in the book. Yeah. Slices of a life. <laughs> so it's worth best reading. Read yeah. Anything else? Yeah, there's someone. I thought it was Michael Bublé, but it's not. <laughs> I thought oh, I saw that name too, and I was like, Michael Bublé is watching. What do you he want? Has, he has a name like Michael. That. He has a name like that, though. You know, I, there's just a lot of really nice, um, a lot of nice comments for well, you. That's nice. Um, so, so we can read some of them. But I, I want to say hi, Linda Apsey. Hi, Deborah Goldfield. Hi, Peg. Hi. Who else are we saying hi to? Jeffrey, Mary Ellen, Kathy. Um, Hi, I would say these names, but I can't read Ken, I mean, a I'm damn thing with, without I'm, my glasses. Right, I'm putting my glasses on. Jody, David Pincus. Hi, that's my mother's maiden name. Michael Townsend. Hi. Pincus? Lori. Yeah, my mother was Pincus. Really? I thought it said Carl Reiner. Oh, it's Carrie. Hi, Carrie Kozlov. Um, Crystal Husband. She made my earring. She's such a doll. She is She's good. fantastic. Yeah. Um, David, Ken. All right. So... All right, so let's just let's let's do the career a little because people do watch because they what this show started to be was how do people merge creativity and oh, commerce and right, 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 right. So you you're doing the the theme park thing. You what happened to college? You? Yeah, you did the UCLA played every thing. dumb thing. Then yeah. I met Jerry Black, who really helped me hone my craft. Did, so did, how did he help you move to the next level? What was the next level? He gave me. Uh, he, he, I have, I think I'd always told the truth when I sang, mm -hmm. but he made me uh, free with the truth in that if whatever you do on stage, if it's authentic, it works. I love that. 
whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If I want to light my hair on fire and it's in the moment, it's going to be a big hit. Um, <laughs> Except you won't be able to repeat it. You can it. only do it once. Um, but no, he taught me that, and that was important. So when Star Search happened, mm -hmm. I already had an enormous repertoire. Okay, so I how already, did that? How did that happen? How did that happen? Well, it was the first season, so there was no nothing. We right. didn't know what what it was. So how did you hear about it? I didn't. Um, they were scouting. Oh. So they saw me in some club. I then I auditioned, in a <laughs> in a room, like a fifteen by twenty room with people filled with it. The piano couldn't fit, so the piano was in the hall. I stood in the doorway and sang. What did you sing? I sang I'm Changing from Dreamgirls. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and what year is they this? were like 83 or whatever. So it was. it's still so it's kind of getting cool to be gay at this point. Oh, but no. No? Oh no, this wasn't out of anything. I mean, do the math. But no, no, no. Well, I mean, are see, you all, kidding me? I, well, I cool was to be gay. I was working with all Move gay men forward. in New York then, so I don't know. I'm telling you. No, it wasn't no. me. Okay. So um, anyway, they they rejected me. Oh. Because they thought I was too theatrical. So <laughs> <laughs> so that there were two people, a woman named Jan Walner and a guy named Steve Stark, who said, "You have to put this guy on." So they did, and then you know I never went away. But I already had the repertoire. I already had the things that I knew I wanted to present. How many levels? How many levels was it? Well, you. It was a, every week. Every, you, I know, but how many? How many weeks? Eliminated. Right. I think I did sixteen altogether. So I basically had a season of singing. You know. It's crazy. And also, Vicky, remember that we didn't have the you know you the Netflix the and the thing. No, oh. no, there were four channels, so we had twenty-five million people a week. You know, the biggest sitcoms got like nine, right? We had 25 million people a week. So how did you, how, how fast was it that you, how soon did your life change? Well, I think that, I don't think it started to air till I had shot the first four. Okay. And then it was like, what? Yeah, like everywhere crazy. in your life? Like public was, it was, you know why? Because it was the first of, there, there was no other talent shows. Right. right. It's not like now, there's 30 of them. Right. And also because it was something that America felt they were part of because it was a competition. Mm -hmm. So they rooted for somebody. Mm -hmm. So they felt close to you. Mm -hmm. So being in public was They felt intense. they knew you. Yeah. Um, plus I was getting offers for everything. I mean, you know, when Dana Carvey was impersonating me on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> it was like, it was everywhere. And it was fast and it was amazing. Were you loving every second of it? Or was every any second of it. I was, you know, 22, and I'm like, it's about goddamn time. <laughs> so how, okay, so you win. So, okay, so what is that moment like when it's you and the other, what, what is that moment when you find out that you win, when you win? And thank God it's over. Do you know, do you, do you know the whole time you're going to win? Do you know? No. Gonna, you don't know. I Come felt on. More, I felt more and more pressure. Because there were jokes about it being the Sam Harris show. The comedians were putting it into their act. It was always the last segment. It was all that. It was so much attention. It was magazine covers. It was crazy. So actually, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I've got a good chance. But I also thought, the pressure is so, what if I screw up now? What if I, is everything going to go away? Mm -hmm. You know, if that was intense. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's the same thing, though, Vicky. I remember sitting in the hallway, smoking, 
and drinking my apple juice and water, just paralyzed and terrified. And then as soon as I got there, I felt at home. So. Oh, I didn't even ask you about that. So no stage fright when you would go on and sing on Star Search and 25 million Until people. I got but, to I mean, my mark. Got, right, right. Oh yeah, no. I, I Turn on the light. I've never been, I don't, once I go, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. Then I feel really like that's the only place I feel home. Mm -hmm. But getting me there, <laughs> it's horrible. So, okay, so then, so, so you win Star Search. Yeah. And how does your life, so do you go straight to Broadway? Is that what the No, 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 I did records. I signed with Motown and oh, then so, I okay, did. What's, what, was, what was your song? Your, your hit song that Madonna stole. Oh, Sugar Don't Bite. <laughs> yes, no. she did, and was sued, and, and she lost. Um, Sugar Don't Bite that record, Papa Don't That's preach. the thing is, yes. Um, but that's, you Have know, you figured out what it means yet? Sugar Don't Bite? Yeah. I have any idea. But I'll tell you what I've done, though. What we started doing, we yeah. started making it. Flows are all made out of wood. We've made it like... Fever! <laughs> in the morning! We started making like this cool jazz thing, because I, I didn't it. sing it for 30 years. It's a stupid, terrible <laughs> song. And so we've made it into this sexy kind of thing, and it's a ball. And people love to hear Still it. Still no idea what it means. <laughs> so crazy! And, and, they, and they won the lawsuit over Madonna for They did indeed. They did indeed. Wow. Which at least we knew what that was about. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, we showed you that. So, yes, records. I was selling gazillions of records. I was touring. touring. I was all over the place. And um, Is life wonderful? Yeah. You know, I think I was into the drama of it, too. Um, Are your parents freaking out? They were loving it. Mm -hmm. They were totally loving it. Mm -hmm. But there were still things with my father in that... The need for that approval. Did you get it? Did you go to the hardware I, store for milk? Did you ever get the milk at the hardware store? I didn't get. I don't know. I don't know if it was a game. I don't know what it was. But my father was never. He could tell anybody else how great I was, mm -hmm. but he couldn't tell me. I know about this. And I remember once we were at a show afterward, and he was there, and. I went to the bathroom, I came back, my mom said, Bill, tell them what you said. Tell them what you said. And my dad went, bass player was out of tune. And said, <laughs> oh my God. Um, now, again, now he's older, he's able to say what he? he feels. Yes. But there was always that, you know, which is a double, it pissed me off and it made me desperate. My friend Frank Langella calls it the My one. friend Frank Langella he's Dracula. My, he's yes. like my bestie. Is he really? Uh, he I is such him. a brilliant, brilliant man. I saw Who him is in his eighties. No, he's not. Yeah, and working more than he ever has in his life. Is he really? One movie after another after TV shows don't do whatever. It's and he's wow. brilliant. He's a brilliant man. And he's eighty one. And I think five years ago he did King Lear on Broadway. It's like that's a yeah, lot. That's a lot. He's a brilliant man. He's also the one who encouraged me to write the book by the way, because I sent him a couple of essays and he said, do this, write without expectation. Do not think of who's going to buy it, who's going to read it, nothing. Write, 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 write. Good. But anyway, mm -hmm. he had a, a thing that I really hit me and I, I'm sure it will you too. 
called the first kiss syndrome, which means at a, one point in our childhood, mm -hmm. we got the one kiss, mm -hmm. literal or metaphorical, mm -hmm. the approval, the smile, the kiss. And those of us, especially in show business, spend the rest of our lives trying to get the second kiss. Mm -hmm. Now, in my situation, mm -hmm. the kisses have come many, many, with my dad. But there was a very long period of time that it was not available in that way. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have that, don't we? Is it a father well, thing? Is it a mother? Is it like, what, what about women? For my father, it was easy for, he was in show business, it was easy to do that. Um, my mother, I don't know if you remember the name of my book. Tell me John again. Sex, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My, yeah. So, but my, I love my mother. I love and, your and, book. And thank you. My Which mother, I told you. I yes, love your book. you did. My mother has really, we've been growing up together. Mm. We we're emotionally growing up together. I used to say my mother and I were like two trees when we tried to hug. It was mm. we were physically awkward right. with each other, uh -huh. but it's love is much easier to pass between us. We say I love you Good on the phone, you. and she says, "Let's say I love you like the kids do," you know, and we do. We say I love you. My father stuff. will call me, and and he'll leave these messages. I just called to tell you that I love you. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Come a long way. That's huge. That's huge. So, so okay, so you do the nightclubs. How does Broadway happen? How do you get your first Broadway show? Is it life? Is that your first No, no, no. Show? My no. first Broadway show was Grease. Okay. Um, which I was called in to do, mm -hmm. and, but I still auditioned. Mm -hmm. And I knew Rosie O'Donnell already, and she was asked to do it. Do you know I replaced Rosie O'Donnell in the left company in an improv group? In what? In an improv group in the 80s. Did you really? I did. Because wow. we're so alike. You and Rosie? <laughs> like this. So wait, you get a call from Rosie O'Donnell? No, no, no. I get a call oh. from the producers okay. asking me to come in. Yeah. Rosie calls me. I call her. I'll do it if you do it, whatever. Oh. I did audition, but oh, we both did, did it. together? Yeah, we did it together. Oh. So we did it out of town for like four or six months, and then we went to New York. We did. That was my first Broadway show. Um, my second one was... Oh, then I went on tour with Joseph for 15 months with the Broadway National Tour of that. Then I came back and did the life within a few months after that. And you get nominated for Tony. Award. I do. What the hell is that like? Well, it's my people, you know? It's my community. I'll tell you, there is something very, very special about that Broadway community. Once you're in it, you're in it. Mm -hmm. And it's not fickle in the way that this can be. Mm -hmm. um, there's a regard, mm -hmm. you know? So it was, and it was a great show and great cast. And then I finished that, and then I did a concert stuff for a while, and then we moved here, and then I went right back to do the producers for six or eight months, which was a joy. The, like, the, I think, the greatest, greatest show, show. The, the funniest show ever of, ever. All time, of all time. I saw it twice. I saw it, the final dress rehearsal, the final preview. Preview. And then I saw it again, and I've never really? laughed harder in my I know, time. right? I have never laughed it's harder. It's so funny. And Gary Beach, who played Roger oh, Debris, who won the Gary Tony, Beach. genius, he and he died. He died. I just saw his husband in Palm Springs last weekend, mm -hmm. Jeff Barnett. And um, Gary... Unbelievable. Truly a genius. Yeah. A genius. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, and he does long runs. 
I'm like out after six months or eight months. I'm like, I don't know. Who was, who was, who was, uh, who were the, who was Steve Leo? Steve Weber, who I also had I done s- hair with. Oh my God. And, um, um, oh, oh, Brad Oster. Played. Joanne, we saw, I saw you in it. You I did? I saw that cast, but Stephen Weber was sick that night. And I was Stunder. in the front row. Oh my God, I saw you as Carmen Gaya. I completely, oh my Clearly God. Clearly it was memorable. No, I, I could not love it. I, but I, I, I don't know why I that. I laughed so that, hard. Why? But here's what Gary would okay. do. And this is why he could do long runs, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, how, how? Eight shows a week for years he would do them. And we'd be in the wings, and right before we'd go on, and he would just say, well, my opening night, which I'd never replaced anybody before, and I was terrified. Because, you know, the cast, they've been doing this huge hit show. I had a week to go in, rehearse, costume. Wait, what do you mean you never replaced anybody? What about in Greece? No, I did the original company of the revival. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh. yeah. So I was nerve. I was a mess. And also Roger Barth was you so only had, I saw Rod, I saw Roger Barth the first yeah. time. I don't even know. I, I don't think you. I would have remembered you. I don't think you were there the night that I saw it. Because I would have asked. So Gary would do this first night. The first night. Because the first entrance of uh, Karmakia is with the, the showing the set of the house. Right. And the phone Coming down, call. Do you come down the stairs? Is it no, I'm the on stairs? the phone. Oh, okay. Um, and he just turned to me and he said, scare them. <laughs> what? Scare them. What a great Which thing. means just be, go there. Go, go, right? And then and the next time he'd be like, before we go in together, let's just say we've had a few drinks. <laughs> so we would play it slightly, t- no one knew, but it informed us. So we'd say, let's just say we've had a little tiff. So there was an edge to something. Isn't he would read, it's kind of like what we were talking about interpreting a song. He would inform that. the scene seconds before we would go on, so it gave it some sort of gravity. That's and so some fantastic. Secret. Always have a secret. That's something Jerry taught me too. I love that. Always have a secret. I love that. Right back there. He must have been so. It must have been so fun to work with him to do that. Jerry, with him. Oh, Gary. Gary. Yeah, Gary was brilliant. Brilliant. Oh. My I was in awe of him. Wow. Okay, so so then what happens? You're doing Broadway, you're doing Broadway. Came here, went mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. and then, um, gee, I don't know, Vicky. I mean, I'm writing, I'm doing, I wrote the book, I'm touring in concert, I have a child. Hello! Life's busy. Life's busy. Um, I am a primary caretaker. Mm-hmm. My husband is the best dad ever, but he travels a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that is an important job for me. Um, there's another thing I'm working on that's a TV project that I'm really proud of and is really fucking funny. And um, now we have our film out, uh, which we haven't even pit, we haven't even plucked. Outfest. I, I, I've been trying to get you to do it three times. Did I not, Pete? T- tell us. It's premiering two weeks from yesterday, so the 23rd of July, at Outfest Film Festival, which is the, you know, the yeah. major. LGBTQ film festival in the world. It's wow. a really big deal. I'm mm-hmm. very excited. And it's going to be at the Chinese Theater 6 in Hollywood. And you can go to, I think it's festival.outfest. I'm, I'm putting it in the, the She's putting notes. it in the yeah. thing. Yeah. So, you get, you come. There's nothing, yes, it's going to be, you're going to be able to see it. You're going to be able to stream it. It's going to be on whatever. Yeah, Netflix so wait, or something. how long is it? But to see it on a big screen, come see it on a I, I want to, Pete, we have to go. <clears throat> when, when is it going to be? How much longer do the people out that aren't in L.A. get till they get to the see The late fall. Okay. I think is when we're looking at it. Okay. But I'm so proud of it. 
That's very exciting. And also, it's so personal because it's like you know, it's your story. It's my life. How different is the story in Ham to the the, the, book? the second book? Oh, the second book. Like when I've written, the, yeah. no, 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 nothing. 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 The Healing Boy is completely different. Totally different. Okay, but it's still two sides of you, in a way. Well, the Healing Boy has some some autobiographical elements. Because we write what we know. We write what we know. Um, but no, they're totally different. Now, and also the book, which was just essays, it wasn't chronological. Mm -hmm. The show is chronological. Right. The show you go through. Well, there's one flashback, but other than that, it's a, it's chronological. It's linear. So, so Sam, you've done. You people must be so bored. They know. We I, have been talking for an hour and a half. There's no way. Wait, Sam, the show in Pasadena was so great. Can't wait to see it on the screen. Ham Slices of Life is one of my favorite books. Maybe oh. you could, oh, she's the one that asked for the, Linda, he's not going to tell the Elizabeth Taylor, Eliza Minnelli. I'm sorry, I can't. Linda's the one who took the pictures at, at Women Who Write, that, oh. those great pictures with, with Oh, right, um, right, right. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything, okay, so you, you have a TV show in the can that you that you you have this movie about to, you have another have book in the book. Or you have, is that so, not enough? Is, is there anything that, Pete, that... what is enough? Well, is there anything that, that, that you haven't done that isn't in the hopper that you... Oh, one day I would love... Is there something like... I'd love to do another TV series. Okay, so... Because... I like... You know... As much as I love... All these projects you mentioned are me. Sam Book. Sam Ham Show. Sam TV Show. Sam, all these things are me. Sam TV show. It's the one I'm working on that I. That's not a series. That's not a. It's a series, but it's but I, but it's I'm in it. I wrote it. I'm you know. Right, right, right. So I would love for that to happen. Right. And I think it's going to, but um, there is also a great joy in just being a part of a company with great writers and great things, and you show up to work and you memorize your lines. And if it's a comedy, you come up with your bits and you figure it out and you're supported. There's a real joy to that mm -hmm. that doesn't have the pressure of you creating and developing all the time. Mm -hmm. um, because people may argue, but I'm really, I'm, <laughs> I love, I love, uh, I don't want to be this, I don't, I, I want the best idea to win. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I just love the, when it's the ideas are flowing, you say yes. No, that's you know that is what's thrilling mm -hmm. to me. And sometimes I don't want to be the uh, you know the main. That's thing. a very theater man. It's a theatr It's a theater mentality. A, a company. Yes. It's a company. Yeah. Yeah. But when you can you find that if you're doing a TV show and that's mm -hmm. your family and that's mm -hmm. your thing. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I would love to do that again. Totally. Well, so July twenty third, Tuesday, July twenty third. What time is your your? It's at nine thirty, which I know sounds late. It does. It's for not. LA. It's it's, it's so not. wild. It, I know, but it's not. <laughs> not because for there's me. a pre party. There's oh. a red carpet. Oh. And remember, they're showing movies all the time. Mm -hmm. So the option was seven, and there's another great movie. I can't remember what it is right now. Mm -hmm. It's premiering at seven. But nobody. It's hard to get to at seven. It is. So, makes we're sense. like the, we're in a good spot. Yeah, as long as you have a party first. We have a party first, yeah. and, um, you know. I like it. 
I'm going to sing a song before the movie starts. Nice. Live. Yeah. Is Todd going to be there? He will. Of course. He was so instrumental in the whole thing. He, he's a brilliant man. And my... Yeah, and you guys together are amazing. Thank Amazing. You. I have to, we have to get you back to the living room, you two. The living room. The living room. Back that to the room. That was fun. Back to the <laughs> room. Only if Linda comes oh, back, too. No, I have to get Linda. Linda Lavin did out. it, and we Please. just tackled yeah. the whole time. I had the greatest picture that your friend took of where either she's whispering in my ear yes. or I'm whispering in hers. It's fabulous. And it's such a cute picture. It's beautiful. And Linda Apsey took that picture. She's a brilliant photographer. So, Sam, before we go... Will you sing us out? Will you? And oh, we didn't talk to Pete. Uh, Pete, no. come, Pete, come out here. Oh my God. God bless Pete. We didn't he's talk to actually, Pete. Oh my he's God. He's been taking pictures out of uh, my windows. We, we he is so bored with Pete us. Pete George. <laughs> Pete, I didn't even talk to Pete today. This is Pete George, the rock and hey. roll comedian. Do you know that Pete's the rock and roll comedian? That's yes. Me. Yes. Okay. So Pete, tell us about your gig. Uh, once again, yes, headlining the Grand Hotel in Las Vegas. Oh. Yes. 25th through the 28th, and then uh, Marietta gig, and I just, I don't know for sure yet, but I just potentially booked some shows in San Francisco. Nice. Nice. Not on a Wednesday, never on a, never on a Sunday, never on a Wednesday. Never. Never, I promise. Because he can't leave me. I can't leave him on Wednesday. Yeah, but the show, but the show's really hip. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) He's talking about my hips because I won't let him shoot my ass. Ever. Am I short down here? Look at the summer with the dog. I don't know. I hope I hope Tango or Taco or someone. No, I was actually, this is interesting. The interview was phenomenal and I was getting all of it and then I saw this beautiful view in the window shining this godlike light on Vicky and Sam and I had to get a shot of it. Wow. Yeah, it was beautiful. Isn't it interesting though that he sees that it was a he says that it was a godlike on us and yet he was facing the other way. Just what I was talking about. Just throwing that out. <laughs> well, everybody, so Sam, you have to sing us out. You have to, you have to give it, I don't care. What? I don't care. Over the rainbow. Anything oh, you want. Oh, no, God, for no, God, right, God, help All right, all right, um, all right. Oh, okay, I'll sing a little of that, but I'm okay. not going to go, like, full. I, okay, you no, just, you don't have to go. So next week, Fred Willard. Fred Willard, oh, wow. please? Oh, my God, oh, my he is God. so funny. Right? Yeah. Oh, my, all those Christopher Guest movies. Oh, please. Yeah. From which not to you're too young. From which tonight from Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Norman. Sure. Mears, yeah, but then it was from which tonight and him and Martin all the funniest mm. thing ever in the world. So funny. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Both so in for that. Yeah, we're going to Fred's house. Go oh, that's it. great. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I wonder if he has God-like light. Do you think? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> anyway, um. Thank you so much for doing this. I enjoyed it. I, I love you too. I love who you are, and I love that you do this. I love you more than thunder loves lightning, more than April loves the rain, more than Sunday morning choirs love a heavenly refrain, more than branches of the willow love to flutter in the breeze, or the snows of Kilimanjaro would love to melt into the seas. I love you more. That's a song by my friend Kevin Fisher. That is, I love Kevin Fisher. He's a great writer. He did Women Who Write. Oh yeah. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful writer. He's also funny. Funny. Kevin Fisher's funny. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Thank you, Pete Thank George. George. The rock and roll comedian. Mwah. Thank love you, honey. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.